0: It's Thursday, October first. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris L joining me in studio today. The one and only Tim Hansen. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Happy Thursday. Thank you, sir. Thursday Thursday. Is it, <laughs> You know what? With the weather headed our way, <laughs> it, it is a good time to drink. We'll talk about the weather shortly. Um, but let's start with emerging markets, which frankly just continue to be terrible. I think Really, at this point, they're demerging,
1: if that's a word that I can use. Let's let's go with that. It was funny. I was talking to our good friend and, and pal Morgan Housel this morning, and uh, Morgan was saying how he just has been regularly dollar-cost averaging over the last few years into uh, VXUS, which is just the Vanguard World Index without the United States in it, on the idea that United States has obviously been performing better than the foreign markets,
0: and this would, you know. And I'm assuming would, he has like a basic S&P 500. Yeah, yeah, index yeah. Morgan's so it's very. Like, yeah, I got that taken. And care man, of. he's
1: just, and he's, but he's just been dollar cost averaging into VFS and he's like, I'm following <laughs> my own advice, you know, just being dispassionate, just looking and, and he's like, it's starting to really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, how's that going? Yeah, there's a lot of self loathing in Morgan right now about that decision, but you know, I'm, I'm similarly. It's funny, you know, I, uh, my background is in uh, foreign equity research. Predominantly, and I practice what I preach in my own portfolio, and you know I keep score of my own returns, and you know oh, lagging the market or lagging the benchmark, the the SP 500. You know when I'm only lagging by
0: like three points and a quarter, I'm like, hey, I'm still in the game here with this four markets exposure. When this turns, woo. Well, on uh, on Motley Fool Money this week, I'm sure one of the stories we'll talk about is McCormick's earnings, the spice company, and. You know, I suppose the good news if you own McCormick is you've got a company that basically controls one fifth of the global packaged spice market. That's also the bad news because you look at their non-U.S. You look at what their their results in India and in Mexico, and they're just getting yeah, it's completely hammered. I mean,
1: you know, global currencies relative to the dollar are are rapidly depreciating. I mean, the the real in Brazil is just. I mean, it's it's you know, Brazil and it's it's probably one of the worst situations around the world. It's Currency is depreciated. There's no demand for its commodity exports. Their government fiscal and fiscal situation is just in a complete, you know, bad word. Um, (laughs) Insert bad word. They, uh, you know, when their economy was doing, they did nothing to prepare. You know, Chile at least people give Chile a lot of credit because when they have a lot of surpluses coming from copper and those sorts of things, they actually save it for a rainy day, and so they balance out their cycle. Um, Brazil has has done no such thing, you know. Huge corruption scandal at Petrobras, um, and their market inflation is high, and uh, but they can't cut interest rates. Well, um, they can't cut interest rates because inflation is high, so they can't spur the economy that way. I mean, just in a really really tough situation. Yeah, and their market just recently got eclipsed by Mexico, as being the largest in the uh, in in Latin America. So. Bad things happening in Brazil. I I mean,
0: that's that's stunning when you consider, from a GDP standpoint and from a population standpoint, just how much bigger Brazil is than Mexico.
1: Yeah, and you know, Brazil was you know part of the brick, the original brick, and I mean, that story has really deteriorated. I mean, that that's not to say that there aren't you know some really well-run little companies in Brazil, but um, the macro situation is just very very challenging, and that's true of many of the resource dependent economies around the world and obviously with interest rates in the US remaining as they are I mean it's just but now with interest rates potentially going up in the US it's just been um it's been a tough situation for emerging markets i mean they're trailing you know they're trailing the U.S. by by well over I think twenty percentage points over the past year or
0: so. Well, and you mentioned interest rates here in the U.S. Uh, I had seen something this morning about um, Christine Lagarde, who's the managing director of the IMF. Oh yeah, sure. Um, basically, you know, just lobbying Janet Yellen not to raise interest rates. I mean, I just I just think of it in terms of. Well, this is you know what it means for our economy, but you got the head of the IMF basically going, no, no, no. If you raise interest rates in the United States, it is going to just make things even worse for emerging markets.
1: Uh, that is likely true, um, but I don't, you know, but I don't know. At some point, the U.S. needs to do that, right? Um, it's a, there's an interesting question there about balancing your self interest with the global interest.
0: Um, is there anything in terms of a silver line? I don't want to say silver line. I, I shouldn't use that phrase. Um, is there any non-US market that is maybe a bit of a bright spot or a less dismal spot? I mean, I, I applaud you and Morgan for being dispassionate and, and, <laughs> and sticking to your strategy. But you know, for someone who maybe doesn't have a lot of non-US exposure, and they're thinking, you know, and if they've just listened to the, the the last few minutes of our conversation, they're thinking, "I'm not jumping into a, an emerging market fund now." Well, you know, that's probably the reason, best reason to
1: jump into an emerging market fund now, and and to do it dispassionately with dollar cost averaging, because timing these markets can be very, um, can be very difficult. And obviously, when and if, or if and when, um, the sentiment in emerging markets changes, is it, it's, it's probably going to change quite dramatically and rapidly just due to the fact that the the decline has been or the relative underperformance has been so severe. You know there are still good things happening around the world um, particularly in developing markets around um, innovation and and wealth creation, middle class creation. Uh, India I think has has a significant opportunity um, to do good things. Um, China obviously has its issues. Brazil has its issues, Indonesia is tied to commodities, so it has its issues. So and you know, and that's really the thing is is um a lot of those countries made hay when commodity prices were strong. Um, and in so doing failed to diversify their economies in such a way that they could they could hang in there when commodity prices weren't quite as strong. So when that cycle turned, many of them got caught um sort of swimming naked when the tide went out, to paraphrase a good old buffetism. <laughs> Um, you know, but if you look, you know, the small cap company there's some there's some very interesting small cap technology companies operating in Brazil and Latin America. You know, Mercado Libre is something that's come up in full forums quite a bit. Um, you know, there are a number of interesting technology companies in China that are really trying to go go global and do things the right way. I mean, it, that sort of innovation and 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 entrepreneurial spirit ultimately, I think, wins out over sort of macro concerns. But certainly in the short run. Those things uh, can have a significant effect on your on your portfolio performance. So you know, but the the same advice we always give holds true, which is take the long view, be dispassionate. Um, You know, and it's funny, you know, Morgan (laughs) closes his eyes and holds his nose when he clicks the button, as do I sometimes. And uh, it's only when you're doing that do you know that you're doing things the right way.
0: The big story of I would say certainly the last month or so, Donald Trump. If you (laughs) do. I was thinking business story. Oh, okay. <laughs> At some point, I think we're gonna. Are we, you guys
1: we, ever talk Trump on this?
0: Not really, because okay. you know, because it, it, we haven't really gotten into the business. I think on there uh, was a fascinating story
1: in Fortune about the history of Donald Trump's contesting their estimates of his wealth in order to be on the Fortune or the Forbes. Is it Forbes or Fortune? It's, it's Forbes. Yes. Forbes. Um, he,
0: he was just asked about that earlier this week because Forbes came out and said, "Yeah, we estimate his. I think they, the number they had was we estimate his wealth uh, to be at four and a half billion." billion. And he was just 10. like, he
1: was like, it's wrong. They're yeah, wrong." Right, right. So they, there was a big column in Forbes about how they did it and what he wants them to do. It was interesting. Uh, that's uh, business related.
0: I think. Well, I think <laughs> I think Industry Focus did a, uh, did an episode around around the, the business of Donald Trump. But uh, no, I was going to say Volkswagen. Uh, oh sure. Um, and uh, you mentioned to me this morning you're you're an owner. You're yeah, a, we have a we own a 2009 TDI uh, Sportwa- Sportwagen. Uh, 2009. Hmm, that, yeah, we're the
1: first year. I was just gonna yeah. say
0: you're the first year. Wow, there's uh, any kind of pride in the fact that yes, we got one of the first ones to roll off the assembly line. We we're that the was first ones complete, to get duped to completely dis. Well, first, I mean, in all seriousness, you you own one of these vehicles. Mm-hmm. You, this story breaks. What goes through your mind? You know, it's um, it's disheartening. I
1: mean, I, you know, corporate fraud, which this seems to be, um, for all intents and purposes, no matter who it how it occurs, is is disheartening. The fact that this was um, perpetrated on on consumers, um, and and you know related, you know, they they go out of their way to say it's not a not a safety issue, but you know, you know, we one of the reasons we purchased the car was the sort of the yarn that it was clean. And you got an efficient, um, and you certainly, as a consumer, paid a slight premium to to get that capability. And for that not to be the case is um, obviously misleading and 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 whatnot. I mean, it's disappointing too because you know we actually were thinking about you know if we were going to get a next car, and we, you know we are 100. percent Oh yeah, we'll get another VW. This car's been super reliable. I mean, it's it, it's been a good car, leaving aside this this significant issue. Right. Um, so certainly, I think. Th- I think you know they'll suffer a lot of brand issues. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they decide they want to mitigate it. Obviously, there's a there's a significant um, punitive component which they'll have to do with regards to the recall and um, uh, the fines that they they incur. You know, it seems like the fixes on the recall, from the reading I've done, in order to meet the emission standard, it's going to end up costing you fuel efficiency, which is I mean, it's not the product we bought, right? So, fundamentally, they have a huge customer problem on their hands, which they so far have not yet revealed how they're going to handle it. Um, you know, interestingly, we just paid our car taxes here in Virginia, and you know, the Blue Book value of the car, the taxes I paid was 20% higher than now the value of the car on the open market. Um, so, there's, I mean, there's, there's obviously real effects, economic effects, financial effects. Um, you know, and, and like I said, it'll be interesting to see how they decide to solve for it at the customer level. Um, you know, I certainly, you know, getting the recall fix, if it costs you fuel efficiency, still changes the dynamics there. Um, you know, I, I've heard people think that they should accept the cars back, trade it in at the price you paid for them. Which, you know, being a 2009 owner, eh, you know, that works out for us in some ways. Out. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. A lot of, you know... Certainly not happy about it. I don't see how.
0: Uh, what the, would you do? I don't. Th- You're a wise man. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think if I owned one of these vehicles on, on a- I, I think you it, own a VW, right? Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Um, I did. did, and and not one of these. Right, it was, right, no. And, and it, it was a car that I just sunk way too much money into <laughs> in terms of in terms of fixing it, and um, I I I think I would. Have the same reaction to, as you? I think I also would just be angry. I think on a gut level, I would just be uh, sort of mad because, as you said, this this was wh- whether you are very passionate about the environment and emissions uh, standards and and that sort of thing, or only mildly interested in it. It it is some part of the calculus of why anyone would buy this vehicle. Mm-hmm. It, it goes in the these are the reasons to buy cool this feature, car. Right. Whether it's number one on the list or number ten on the list, it's on the list of, wh- of why you would buy it. Um, so uh, the fact that this appears to have been one hundred percent premeditated on the part of Volkswagen, I think I think the the sooner that they, um, the sooner that they can get comfortable with the fact that fixing this problem that they have is going to be massively expensive mm-hmm. and just sort of get their heads around that and say and accept it then the the sooner they can solve it right um, And yeah, maybe it's maybe it's just well, yeah, we would save a little bit of money potentially if we go this route. it's like, you know what S- speed should be. The priority here in fixing this.
1: Yeah, I think speed, and you know, I think they need to overreact in terms of how they compensate people who. I mean, if you purchase a product that was falsely advertised to you, I mean, generally
0: speaking, good customer service would take that product back. I guess we'll see now. Yeah, uh, market foolery at fool dot com is our email address. A uh, bunch of wonderful responses regarding Alcoa. Which is splitting into two separate companies and has somehow managed to only name one of them. Um well, they didn't name it, right? They just kept the name. Is well it, well or, so no, so there's gonna be a new one. The, the upstream one is gonna be Alcoa. Right. And the value add business, that's the one they have. T B D they, they haven't named it. So they
1: haven't named I mean they haven't they haven't come up with new names for
0: anything. They just said, we'll keep one name we're gonna and, keep- and we're gonna punt I'm trying to figure this one out. Exactly. Got it. And and we were chatting before we started taping. Um, you said that's going to be an interesting meeting. I, I, and I said I believe that the meeting has already happened, and it was probably <laughs> very contentious, and they couldn't come to a resolution. I don't think at, at any point they said, "Oh, we don't need another name." I'm sure they try So so
1: I'll be inter- I wonder if somebody from Alcoa, I hope, would reach out to us and give us the breakdown <laughs> of how this is how this has come to pass. Because if it, if it's if it's been the case that they've had many hours long meetings and they haven't come to a decision, then I think that's that's sad. But, if on the other hand they just said, you know what, we're all about the uh, the strategy of this split off, we're going to get our ducks in a row, and we'll, the name doesn't matter, we'll figure that out later, then I commend Alcoa for that, because I think, probably in corporate America, there's far too much time spent naming
0: inconsequential things. Uh, yes, although in this case The rebuttal it, to that, of course, is Quickster. The, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, from good old Quickster, Quickster. <laughs> so that, that was one of those you know from Jimmy um, uh, Abembe, who uh, suggested how about Quickster as the name <laughs> of the movie. uh From Jonathan Gainer in Foster City, California. The next logical name is obviously Alcob. So instead of Alcoa, mm-hmm. ending with an A. Alcob ending with a B. Alcoa there would be B. no misunderstandings whether the two companies are related or not. Uh, from Patrick Pritchard, who writes, you might as well leverage what you have. I propose Alcoed <laughs> apostrophe D, as the name of Alcoa's spin-offs. Just think of the stationary savings. That's good that he's you know he's thinking monetarily. Uh, and from Dr. Ken Camilli, who writes, if Alcoa's spin-off is a value play, then they should call it Valcoa. I think that's a strong one. That's not bad, and I think I made this point. That's not bad at all. uh, On Monday, Um, I wouldn't care. I I, I wouldn't have cared what the name was if they came out and said, "Oh, this business is going to be called Alcoa, and this other one is going to be named, you know, whatever." I I wouldn't really think twice about it unless it was absurd. (laughs) Now, clearly, it's all I can think about with Alcoa, and I feel like they've. Inadvertently raise the bar. Do you have a suggestion for them, if uh, they're listening? Uh, I don't have a suggestion. Uh, you know what, Valcoa—that's that's a good place. Valcoa. For, uh, I I think if if they call me in, I'd say, look, Valcoa is the leader mm-hmm. in the race right now, and anything you come up with has got to top that. Um, what do you charge for your consulting? Uh, you know what, this is this is gratis. <laughs> You're welcome, Valcoa. This is completely free, which is probably what it's worth. Um, you get what you pay for, exactly. Um, although, although this uh, next item is not free, it's pretty darn close. Um, our ebook, the Motley Fool Guide to Investing for Beginners, which you can buy on Amazon, uh, for the next three days, only one dollar and ninety nine cents. That was I, a first class segue. That was. Thank you. That was. Uh, <laughs> that's a cup of coffee. $1.99? For an ebook that's going to teach you how to invest, maybe not you, but because uh, you know a loved one, a loved one, someone who you want to just say, hey, a neighbor, uh, learn just a little bit. It's a uh, it's seventy five pages. It's, you can knock it out in a weekend. A local service provider, exactly. Just a dollar on Amazon, the Motley Fool Guide to Investing for Beginners. So check it out. And speaking of this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a good weekend to sit indoors and read. At least in the Mid-Atlantic, At it least. seems like. Um, Hurricane Joaquin bearing down upon us, um, two questions for you, one investing, one non-investing. Okay. Uh, anytime a storm of this size comes up, there are invariably people who rush to make the case that, well, this is a case, this is why you need to buy shares of... Home Depot, Lowe's. This is why you should be buying shares of, I don't know, an insurance company, that kind of thing. Diageo, Diageo, exactly. Do you ever, um, has that ever factored into your thinking, on an on an investment? No, but uh, earnings
1: calls that come after periods in which um, there have been significant storm activity or dislocations are always fascinating because, you know, think about what's going to happen this weekend here in Alexandria, right? So, the storm's going to bear down Friday night, Saturday. The local grocery stores whatnot are going to be packed tomorrow with people stockpiling. And then probably they're going to be empty on Saturday with, um, while people are, are hunkered down. Net net, the amount of goods that have been purchased are probably actually are, are either the same or probably actually came out ahead in the retailer's favor in terms of sales because when you're when you're stocking up, you're probably over buying, right? But a lot of uh, retailers, in particular, use storm activity as a reason to explain why they missed comps or missed sales. It's all oh, we didn't get that activity it was you know, and they, but you know, they never if 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 you know they never if if the if the um, sort of stockpiling results in positive activity, they always take the credit. For themselves, but if and course, never give credit to the storm, right? But you know why
0: we crushed it this quarter? <laughs> Hurricane <laughs> Joaquin.
1: But you know, you'll, I bet you'll see a number of people use storms, and you know, this is good to remember as we go into the winter snow season. Uh, people use storms as excuses all the time, and, and, and I think, generally speaking, the facts don't don't bear that out as a significant cause of, of um, corporate results. Now there are exceptions, obviously, to that, but um, the inter- we'll see how many companies mention Hurricane Joaquin uh, come. Well, I guess this is going to be a fourth quarter storm, so we won't get to hear about it until yeah. February
0: or March of 2016. Sunday morning, early Sunday morning before the sun is even up, you and I are going to be standing at George Washington's Mount Vernon Estate as we await the start of the Wilson Bridge half marathon. Maybe. Um, if- <laughs> which at the moment is just looking like a horrible mistake on our part. Um, More so than usual. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling?
1: <laughs> um... You know, I feel I don't feel bad about running. Uh but I hate I hate running in the rain. It just it's it's treacherous.
0: Um I hate standing in the rain. Well, so, yeah. so if it starts, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the storm? It could veer off into the ocean. We we may there's a chance we may not get rain. That's true. First thing Sunday morning. You could but- always
1: just go and get there early and then hunker down in one of the porta-potties and just <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that
0: seems like you got to get there early, though. You don't want to hunker down in a in a well used porta potty. But that seems like bad protocol. If, uh, if, if there are people in line waiting to use it, and you could you're... invite friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's the the three of us squeeze <laughs> into this porta john <laughs> no, just you're... to say dr- stay dry.
1: I, I, crazier things have been done in the
0: world to stay dry. <sighs> you know, I, I don't. I'm not advocating it. I'm that, not saying I'm going to do it. You got to really want to be dry to do <laughs> that, to pull that off. Uh, well, fingers crossed. And well, the uh, worst
1: is when your shoes get wet, and then you got to go 13 miles. Yeah, that's a blister. That's a blister waiting to happen.
0: Good luck, my friend. Thank you, sir, and to you.